Hi, this is Phil Collins from Death Hunt for the Man Rays. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. What's happening? This is Dave from Dave Root Band and Tesla, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. All right, Pittsburgh! You wanted the best! You got the best! Hello and welcome to episode 311 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Starting off this episode, we have an interview with Troy Lucetta from the band Tesla. Tesla was just in town this past weekend with Def Leppard and REO Speedwagon. All three bands sounded great and put on an amazing show. Tesla will be celebrating the 30th anniversary of Mechanical Resonance this year, and to celebrate, they're going to be releasing a live version of that album on August 26th. Also on that album is going to be a new studio track called Save That Goodness, which was produced by Def Leppard's Phil Colin. Troy talks to us about that new that new album as well as a new studio album that's in the works and also talks about the tour uh, with Def Leppard. So without any further ado, here's that interview with Troy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome from the band Tesla, we have drummer Troy Lachetta on the phone. How are you doing, Troy? I'm doing great, John. How about yourself? I could not complain. It's a beautiful sunny day. It's uh, finally getting into the hot summer weather and uh, no better way to kick it off than uh, Def Lepp and Tesla coming back in what has to feel like a deja vu to you. Um, we throw in Aria Speedwagon, but it seems, uh, I believe you came through Pittsburgh with uh, Def Leppard on the Hysteria Tour. Um, how did it come back around full circle all these years later? Well, that's uh, um, a good question in the sense that, first of all, we spent on the Hysteria Tour, we spent 15 months. We did all of Canada, Europe, and the U.S. and the round which was a great, exciting time. It was our first album. And uh, we developed a lot of, you know, wonderful relationships. We shared the same management. So it was very family-oriented on that tour. Mm. Uh, and then over the years, there's been um, a few shows here and there, one-offs, and, you know, we'd reconnect. And uh, Tesla has managed to stay, you know, kind of in the mainstream for the most part, you know, mm -hmm. um, but we were pretty much just doing a lot of our own shows and, um, and then the offer had come in and, um, it was our first live nation tour last year. We did 70 dates with them with sticks and, and that just kind of put us on the radar and then for live nation. And then this year we were offered, um, this tour uh, along with the tour the journey tour that went out and this seemed like to be a good fit for us so we just kind of stayed on this and um, and it's you know brought forth some real new and exciting things yeah you, you're probably the first person to refer to the 80s version of the Def Leppard tour as a family event but uh, I'm sure it's a little more toned down backstage now than the, than the boys were back in the 80s but um you obviously have seemed to, to, as a band, have a great rapport with Phil, um, Colin, guitarist uh, of Delta Deep and Def Leppard. Um, can you talk a little bit about how he became involved in the Mechanical Resonance live album that you'll be releasing? 
Yeah, actually, I think he pretty much was the one to say, look, you guys, uh, why don't you throw something out live? He had a new track that he had written for the band that he was going to produce. Uh, it gave a platform as a bonus track for the celebrating the 30th year live anniversary of Mechanical Residence. And it was kind of, I think it was pretty much his brainchild. And on the tour last year, over, I want to say a couple weeks, you know, of shows, we would just kind of play the first record, a couple songs each night opening the show and we were recording. And, um, you know, just a couple takes of each performance as well. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a lot of time to throw it together. And I, quite honestly, I haven't even heard it, but uh, evidently it came out pretty good. Um, so it, it's coming out in August. Um, and it, it's kind of what spearheaded this whole movement of us working with Phil. And now, as you may know, we're, um, in the middle of recording a new live, uh, not a, a new, excuse me, a new studio record that will come okay. out 2017, yeah, first quarter. So, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, that's great news. I mean, the um, the one thing I can tell from the new track is it's got it's got kind of a soul, but um, you know, Jeff's voice really works well on it. And I have to say, Jeff sounds probably as good. You mentioned, you know, the anniversary of Mechanical Resonance. Jeff doesn't sound any different. You know, some singers, 30 years later, they, you know, the pitch is a little different or, you know, they can't quite hit the notes. Jeff doesn't sound like he missed a beat. Um, and he doesn't look any different, you know, all these years later, um, which is a wonderful thing for you guys. Um, the new... So um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Do you, do you have it? No, not the live album. I just heard the, the first single. But you have the uh, Save the Goodness track that Phil produced yes. and wrote? Okay, yes. gotcha. Yeah, right. yeah, that that was a track I had a chance to hear. Uh, looking forward, obviously, to the rest of it. You guys are a killer live band. And, you know, I think you're one of those bands, you know, from that genre of the 80s, along with, you know, I remember when you guys did the tour with, um, I believe it was Great White and Badlands, you know. You were like the band of that era that was cool for even the most metalheads to like. Blues music fans like you, rock music fans like you. You know, well, you weren't lumped in necessarily with all the glam bands of that era. Um, it was more of a you know organic sound for you guys. Yeah, it's you know the we never all we did was just stay true to who we are. You know, we were not trying to so much avoid anything we were just doing what was comfortable for us so uh for us to have been part of the glam scene wouldn't have been comfortable it wouldn't have been real or honest so we've just stayed we were just writing songs and writing music that we liked and that we believed in and just kind of finding ourselves through it all and Mm -hmm. uh, who knew all these years later it would turn out to be um one of our greater assets you know Um, right that so yeah, it's been nice because people do say nice things about us for the most part, and um, and you know we just yeah. keep we just keep chugging along and keep writing music and keep showing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great to hear. Um, I wanted to ask you about something else that you were involved in. I had an opportunity to talk to um, Brad Whitford and Derek St. Holmes not all that long ago about their new album reunion, um, and, and both of them are spoke very, very highly of your involvement in that process. Can you talk a little bit from your perspective of what that was like to be involved with those guys? 
Well, first of all, it was great to be involved with them and work with them. And it was just such a nice, organic um, situation that led me to work with them. I, I like playing drums, and I play you know a lot of different music with a lot of different people. Uh, outside of the band and so when I was living in I live in Nashville and they're both in Nashville so you know I have a 70s band I play in um, classic rock all-stars and we invited Derek out one night he came and jammed uh, sat in with the band and I guess that put me on his radar from what he told me and then one day he just called me and said hey would you come down and jam with Brad and I and I said sure and they had a three-hour session blocked out at SIR Studios uh, in Nashville. So I went and I jammed from 12 to 3. And it was kind of cool because it was so organic. It was just like mm-hmm. taking me back to a childhood state. And I noticed they were in the same state um, because we literally started playing at 12 noon and we didn't stop until 3. Uh, there were right. no bathroom breaks or anything from what I remember. I mean, it was just... Uh, uh, so it was just really great, really fun. And I don't know, it was probably a few days later, he invited me back and I went back and we did this a couple times. And I don't know if they told you what happened or how the process went down, but what happened was I was getting ready to leave for five weeks with Tesla. And I told Brad, I said, look, I'm going to be leaving town for five weeks. So I just want to give you guys a heads up. And he goes, wow, I didn't know that. Um, he said, uh, well, then we need to talk, and that was on a Friday, and I was leaving on Wednesday. So, at any rate, I left the studio, and Derek called me on the way home and asked if I could join them in the studio Monday. And so I went and set up at 10. They showed up around noon. We started getting sounds, and I thought we were going to just record a couple songs. Well, it was all recorded live, two guitars, bass, and drums, um, and we just started plowing through a couple takes of each song. And mm-hmm. I was just kind of jamming through these songs, which I thought I was just giving them enough information to go back someday and, you know, give them something to work from, like for a demo state, and then they could come back and figure out what they wanted to record the record. But as it would turn out, I stayed. <laughs> I, went in, I went in Monday, and Tuesday at 5 o'clock, I had recorded nine songs with them. And... Um, week later, Derek calls me and he says, hey man, Brad loves it. And I'm like, well, loves what? He goes, man, he loves it. We got kind of like the record. I'm like, what do you mean you got the record? I'm thinking to myself, you're crazy, you know? But, uh, you know, and I, so I went back and sat and listened to everything. I tried to point out a few things that I thought were wrong, but they weren't wrong. It was just Maybe I would have taken a different approach or this, this, or that. I never had any time to think about what we did on that record. I just went in and recorded it. But anyway, they liked it. Um, there wasn't anything wrong with it. And they're all full performances of what you hear, uh, unless they edited something down. But uh, there wasn't no punch-ins. You know, so it was really cool, speaking of organic, you know. Um, yeah. It was just a good, yeah, just uh, it, it came out nice. I was happy with the end result, you know. Yeah, that's that's a great way. I mean, their even their first album was only made in I think you said a week or ten days or something like that. So, you know, maybe haste makes waste, or you know, these guys just make albums quick and turn out great product. And it's a great record. It's, it's um, you know, a, a 
certain, you know, certainly a testament to the two guys. And I think they were both very glowing of you because I think, you know, as both of them mentioned, they're, they're used to dealing with a certain amount of egos in, the, in their other endeavors. You know, to come to, you know, in a situation like this where it's just all about making sounds, um, you know, they, they really both sounded like they truly enjoyed it and enjoyed working with you in particular. So it's just great to get well, take Yeah, you know. Yeah, and again, I'm just grateful for the opportunity that I had with them. And, you know, I learned a lot from those guys. I really did. And um, I actually just ran into um, a friend of mine's out on drums, Brent Fitz, playing with them live. And I just caught them in New Hampton Beach last week when we had a day off at Boston. And so Derek mentioned, I, I'm going home in about oh, 10 days, and I got a few weeks off, so I think we might I don't know. From what he said, we might be going in to do the second record. So I'm like, <laughs> you have, I, we'll we'll see. You know, uh, details at eleven, right? Yeah, if you got three days off, we could cut a double album. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Troy, I want to uh, thank whatever you. Whatever they, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just whatever they want to do is fine with me. You know. Yeah. Troy, I want to thank you. You're going to be in uh, Burgerstown outside of Pittsburgh on Friday night. Um, we look forward to seeing you with Aria Speedwagon, Def Leppard, and, and obviously Tesla. And the new album, Mechanical Resonance Live, drops the end of August. Uh, we look forward to that. And, and very much looking forward to hearing what you you guys and Phil are cooking up in the studio for the next studio album. That would be great. Yes, thank you very much. And um, I'm very excited about that, by the way. I've already cut drums for that. We'll look forward to hearing that as, in, in the future then. Thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time. Can't like to thank Troy for coming on the show and talk to us. Again, Tesla's out on the road with Def Leppard and Ario Speedwagon. That tour lasts clear through October, so if you haven't seen it, you got plenty of chances to catch it. Also, they'll be releasing that new uh, Mechanical Resonance live album on August 26th. Up next on the show, we have an interview with Chris from the band Yiga Digga. Yiga Digga is a Pittsburgh-based band, and they recently released a new album uh, called Faded Glory. Before we get to that interview, though, here's a track from that album. This is called Slave to the Life.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, with me on the phone, I have Chris from the band Yega Dega. How are you doing today, Chris? Great. How's it going? Good, good. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Um, <clears throat> guess got a couple things to talk about. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, can you give us a little brief history on the band? Yeah, so the original guys got together probably back around 1992. Um, they just sort of getting serious right before I joined the band in about 2003. Um, at that point, they had just put out a, their Momentum EP, had five songs on it, and um, had most of the songs for the first album written at that point. So then I pitched in on about three, four more, and we hit the studio uh, 2006 or seven or so. Um, that album came out, and then uh, we kind of went on hiatus for about six years or so. Um, timing got right. We got back together 2013 and uh, played a few shows around Pittsburgh and started getting uh, songs written up for the next record. So here we are, um, everything written and recorded and all that good stuff for the new record and uh, anxious to get it out. Cool. Now uh, the new record called uh, Faded Glory comes out this Friday. Um, so you mentioned you guys you know, worked for about two years on these songs, I guess. Um can you talk about like how you guys write a song and how you guys like collaborate together? Yeah, a lot of times it'll start with one of us having an idea. Um, it can either be developed or not so developed, and we sort of bring it to the group, uh, get uh, some guitar riffs and the the basic rhythms and beats going, um, mm -hmm. and then Tom will start writing lyrics at some point, and uh, then we sort of kind of just polish at it from there on in. We just work on the arrangements and get things kind of lined up with how we hear them in our heads. Now, you guys kind of have, uh, I guess, an early Metallica sound, kind of, I hear kind of like a clutch, you know, maybe a little Mastodon in there. Can you talk a little bit about your uh, influences? Yeah, definitely old Metallica was a big influence on uh, most of us, especially me. That was one of the things that made me want to pick up a guitar at first mm -hmm. when I was like 13, right? Right. Is uh, James Hatfield. So a lot of that rhythm style I picked up on, um, really a lot of the, the 80s to early 90s thrash metal and some of the alternative stuff that was coming out in the early 90s as well. Um, definitely big influences on us. But then we're kind of all over the board as well. So we have a lot of classic rock influences. I know Tom and I are both big Beatles fans, so... We sort of pull from a lot of different genres. Um, now, when you guys uh playing live or whatnot, uh, can you talk about uh, what fans could expect from a live show? Yeah, the live show, I think really that's, that's where we're at our best um, sound-wise and energy-wise. I think we really thrive off of, off of the live crowd. Um, maybe the pace gets picked up a little bit, uh, versus the studio stuff, but uh, live is just, I think, really where we're in our element. Right. Now, um, you guys are based in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is, you know, blue-collar steel town or whatnot. You guys definitely have that kind of blue-collar sound. Um, do you uh, do you find it hard to, to navigate, like, the scene in Pittsburgh and kind of branching out? Yeah, the scene in Pittsburgh, to me, now, granted, we were away for a few years, right. but it changed a little bit. But it's really diverse from what I understand. There's there's just so many different musicians in Pittsburgh. I, oftentimes, I think you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody who's in a band in Pittsburgh, right? Right, right. Um, and there's so many people doing so many different things. I think, when you know, back in the, the early 2000s, the scene was more focused at least with with the folks that are into our you know heavy rock type of stuff mm -hmm. um now it's kind of all over the place and really we're still trying to kind of get our footing as to uh what what people are doing around here and what people are listening to it's real diverse from what i see 
Right, right. Now, I was in bands in Pittsburgh, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s as well. And it, it seems to me, and, and I, you know, just your take on that, um, you know, a lot of the big venues that were available to bands back then, like you had the graffiti and Club Lager, they're all kind of closing down. Do you see any, like, uh, you know, type of, you know, how it's changed over the years? Well, yeah, I remember, you know, we played Club Laga, it's closed, we played at yeah. uh, the old Rosebud, which I thought was acoustically the best room in the city, and it, it's closed now. Um, you know, the Metropole, where I used to go see so many shows growing up around here in the, at the Metropole, it's right. closed down now. Um, so really, you're left with, uh, you know, we just played at the Hard Rock Cafe, which I think is probably my favorite room going right now, mm-hmm. just because I like that intimate setting to it, it has kind of a club vibe to it and then our cd release show we picked the smiling moose because i right. like that it's a it kind of has that old school pittsburgh club vibe to it mm-hmm. um it's, it's, a, it's a smaller it's a nice that's intimate room i think it has a good sound to that room to it um but then other than that uh, you know what do you got you got you got the rex and you have some of the bigger shows coming in stage ie or ae um order bar and, uh, and then you got a bunch of bars right 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 um so do you think, uh, you know, it's harder for bands now than it was maybe 10, 15 years ago? Uh, I don't know. I think it's always been hard for bands. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now, so everything's on the Internet now, whereas is, is 10, 15 years ago, the Internet was there, but I think a lot of folks didn't exactly know what to do with it yet. Uh, now there's just so much content that's out on the internet, so I think you can reach a lot more people now, so right. that helps. But, you know, it's kind of a dual-edged sword in the way that there's being the ability for, for so many people to put comp- content out there and so much content to get out there. Um, it can be a little bit of a hindrance to try to still get noticed. Right, right. So, like, with social media and streaming and that, there's more tools available to bands now, but you kind of have to... There's so much out there, it's hard to stand out. Is, is that kind of right. how? Right, right. Now, on the flip side, the technology that we have available now for creating the music, right. uh, that's that's amazing. So, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, I wouldn't have, trying to record an album uh, in my home studio, I wouldn't have come nearly as close to, to what I was able to come up with, you know, two years ago. Right. Right, right. Now you guys did record this album yourselves, and and I've had a chance to listen to the album, and it's I love the way it sounds and whatnot. Um, when you guys are producing the album, how do you guys go about uh, you know that process? Uh, so we did it in bursts of about four or five songs at a time. Okay. Um, and I think we did three, two, two sessions of basic tracks. You know, so we had like five songs for each session, maybe. Uh, six in the one session uh, the the vibe you know, in the first album we, we did it in a proper studio um and that was great as well but right. doing it at, at my place this time was really a relaxed vibe for us and i think it kind of helped us you know you don't have the ticking clock over your head you're, you're right. not constantly like having to come up with something on the spot if something's not happening right now you know take a break and, and come back and check it out later we had uh we just kind of camp out at my place for a few days at a time. Right. We'd have the grill going in the summertime. It was it was just a really neat vibe. Right, right. And is that how you guys write too, or do you guys uh, did you get all together, or did you um, you know separate parts? 
Uh, a couple of the songs, uh, the single Slave to the Life was one that I had pretty much written on my own, and then uh, Tom kept bugging me to, to, to bring it to the band and, and, and do it. Um, but other than that, and you know, Tom had some songs that he'd started off with just the basic guitar riffs on, but you know, usually when one of us has an idea, it, it's just a guitar riff, and that's how it starts. And then right. we get together, and we all just kind of hammer it out together. Now, you guys have a video for Slave to the Life. Can you talk a little bit about how that video came together? Yeah, so that one, uh, you know, like everything else uh, this time around, we we did it ourselves. Um, I got a camera off of eBay. I am I am no videographer, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, but you know, we I sat down and I and I wrote out, you know, based on the song. Um, you know, since I had written the song, I kind of figured what I wanted to portray in the video, and I just wrote out a whole script to it. And then we picked some locations, and we kind of figured out what the scenes and what what props we needed, and. Um, we just filmed it, and then uh, our drummer Billy Beggs, he uh, he got uh, really up to speed on how to do video editing, and so he did all the editing for right. it. Right. Um, it was it was an arduous process, you know. I would, um, I'm a guitar player, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to branch out and do uh, audio recording, and I had you know I've been doing that for years and years and years. So the the video thing was definitely a challenge for us. Right, right. Now, is there a plan to do other videos? And would you do it yourselves, or would you kind of, you know, want to take that process on again? I think we'll probably farm that out to somebody <laughs> next time around. Um, uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun, but uh, it was a lot of work too. Right, right. Um, now, <clears throat> excuse me. Balancing life, you know, life and jobs and music. How do you find a time to, you know, make time for everything? Yeah, time seems to be the biggest the biggest sacrifice that that you make, and what we're doing it requires a lot of commitment to to get everything done that we want to get done. Right. Um, so it really is a balancing act. You know, pretty much every spare minute that we have goes into something to do with the band. Um, you know, it's 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 a big challenge in and of itself, but you know, we have a lot of fun doing it. We 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 feel that we're working towards something, and then when you get an album done, you get a video done. Um, and you start to get some feedback from people. That's when it really kind of dawns on you. They're like, "Oh, that's, there's there's a purpose for this," you know. Right, right, right. Now, is there any plans to maybe kind of shop this album around or? Um, well, you know, we were, I, I looked at it, trying to, to to see what record labels were out there and what what labels could offer us right mm -hmm. before the album even came out. Because you know, initially we were looking at maybe getting some help with distribution and promotion right. through a label and. Um, Man, I I just don't know that a that a at our level if a record label can really do that much for us that we're not able to do on our own. Right. Um. Right. So uh, hey, if some if somebody hears it and they they say hey we we can work with these guys that that's that'd be fantastic. Um. But you know at the small uh, at the level we're at anyhow, um, you know we're. We're just going to make a go. I think we're just going to pretend to be rock stars and just see how long we can get away with it. Eventually, somebody's just going to say, no, you can't do that anymore. And right, <laughs> right. Well, even you know, even at different levels, you know, it, it seems like kind of labels are, are, are starting to kind of phase out. You know, if you look at some, you know, bigger bands, like even Metal Church, you know, they have a label just for distribution, but they do it all, all themselves. So, you know, I, I don't think, you know, at at any level you've got, the ability to, to do everything yourselves, especially with outlets like iTunes and, and the streaming and, and, and things like that. Um, do you find it, you know, compared to like years ago, easier to get the album out there? Yeah. So distribution wise, I think it's, it's easier to get it out there. Um, I, and I see even the established bands, 
are having to work a lot harder nowadays. Right. Because um, because the money's not there. You're not going to make money selling records these days. And I actually think it it kind of flipped. So I think, uh, you know, years ago, the album was the product that you were trying to sell, and you would go play live to promote the album to get people to buy the album. But right. I, I think it it switched around. Now, it, to me, the album is more like a commercial. I mean, the product still has to be good. But right. you're really trying to get people to come to see the live show now because that's where there's any money left, that, right. that merchandise. Right, and that's why you see bands now, like, you know, they'll come into a city three or four times a year on multiple different tours. And, and it's like, like you mentioned, you know, it's years ago Metallica would release an album. You know, they'd take a year to write this album, get it out there. They'd tour support the album, take a couple years off to work on the next album. Whereas now it's like you got to tour constantly and then somehow find time to to write an album between tours right right um do you guys have any you know plans to take this out of uh, on the road outside of pittsburgh area well let's see uh i i think we'll probably end up doing some we, we don't have like a big tour plan lined up but i think right. we'll probably end up doing some some small mini jaunts out like we were just in uh waynesboro over the past weekend mm-hmm. um that, that was a that was a good time um, I think that's kind of what makes sense for us right now is just to branch out and do a few shows at a time. Right, 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 sure. Um, now, you guys mentioned the uh, CD release party is going to be at the Smiling Moose, and I believe it's uh, June 10th. Yeah, Friday, June 10th at the Smiling Moose. Uh show starts at uh, 10 p.m. Awesome, awesome. So uh, looking forward to that. Album comes out uh, this week, and like I said, it's a great album, uh, and I, I really dug it. Thank you. Uh, I want to congratulate you guys on that album, and uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, is there anything else you guys want to kind of close off with? Uh, no, just uh, you know, thanks so much for having me on, and uh, it, was, it was a great time, and glad I was able to talk to you. Cool, cool. Oh, and before I let you go, i got to ask, where did the name Yiga Digga come from? Uh yeah, it's an onomatopoeia. So if you think back to your high school grammar class, right? Um, it's uh, now, now this was before my time in the band, but right. I think uh, when they were first getting together, when you when you have a guitar riff idea in your head and you're trying to explain to somebody what it sounds like, I I think they found themselves saying "yiga digga" over and over <laughs> a few times, and, and so I think that's it's stuck and just come, came from there. Cool, cool, cool. Well, again, Chris, thanks a lot for uh, coming on the show, and I uh, want to congratulate you guys on the album, and uh, we'll be seeing you shortly. All right, Sean. Thanks a lot, man. Can't wait to thank Chris for taking the time to talk to us. Again, the album's called Faded Glory. It's a pretty cool album. Definitely want to check it out. You can get it in all the usual places. That about wraps up this episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to drop us a line at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Uh, check out our Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks or Instagram at instagram.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Of course, check out our website, ironcityrocks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.